It's also a pig pen day, Danny. I love that. And then our Oink. friend, Move. our old friend, our quarantine interview series takes us to Olympic hero Carly Patterson. And uh, we'll see if she has any gorilla takes or uh, Carly box takes or anything like that that she wants to get off her chest at 550. And uh, community quick hits. And uh, Sturm Center may be taking a brief step aside for Seacow Center. We'll see. We'll see what happens as 630 approaches. But, Mike, you had something very captivating for this very first segment that is kind of a thread through the entire ticket day today. And I think there's probably a lot of people (laughs) that are uh, homeward bound or or quarantined or just uh, they're stuck. So they've been kind of following along all day. And I feel like it's our job here to recap tie together where we are in this very vexing sports problem you've been trying to solve. Indeed, Bob. So we had a uh, bizarre and interesting topic come up with a pretty incredible resolution about two hours later. It all happened this morning, and it began during the Normandy invasions mix with the Musers, which usually happens right at 9.55-ish, and the audio is right here. What? Junior what? does it too, just he's, to join in. He's running what? a copycat offense right now. <laughs> yeah, this is. is a copycat studio. <laughs> copycat studio. Okay. Field goals? Shrimp field goals. All right. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Do you think the best kicker in the world can make an extra point with a shrimp? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Kicking a shrimp? <laughs> one shrimp. Is it a prawn? Yeah, one shrimp. No. no. Was prawn hog? A jumbo one. He, Was may he, be able to, he may be able to punt it through, but he couldn't <laughs> kick it off a hold. Yeah, who's going to hold it? Tell you what that means. <laughs> Holding it would be a dangerous job, man. Yeah, that would be a terrible job. Hey, Start it, calling you lefty. Is it tails up? <laughs> it can be prepared out? any way the kicker wants. Man, you should have put it tails up. I told you. How about a coconut shrimp? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we got plenty of time to find out over the next eight weeks. Let's try Alexa, <laughs> order new RFPDs. So Anything going on there? There's a lot going on there, <laughs> but just as somebody pointed out... you think the out, best kicker in the world can make an extra point with a shrimp? No. <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to focus on here for a moment. Had you been thinking about that for a while, or did I've that just pop never in? never thought that in my entire life. And but... why is Junior so prepared for the answer? That's what I don't get. It just listen to how quickly... As somebody on Twitter pointed out, it's like he knew what you were about to ask. That did not stop him down for even a second. Listen to this. Do you think the best kick in the world can make an extra point with a shrimp? No. Unedited. It, truly amazing. It is amazing. He no. processed the the hypothetical so quickly. And also, if that was at the compound, you would be so accused of being drunk right there. No. Listen. Do you think the best kick in the world can make an extra point with a shrimp? No. Look, during the mixes, I don't have to dial it in. During the actual shows, I'm a professional. Do you think that's true? Uh, first of all, as you are, as you continue to manipulate the uh, size of the shrimp up to at least a jumbo, mm-hmm. maybe even attaching coconut to it. <laughs> I I think figured, the bigger the shrimp gets, the easier it is to make the kick. Well, that's why I was adding size. To yeah, it, and I was adding a nice coconut crust. Right. I wanted. I want this this I mean, kick to go in. You certainly got have to figure out how to get your uh, toes or your instep underneath the shrimp of to, <laughs> to elevate it. Of course. Okay. I think this could be done if it was a big enough shrimp. Maybe with a nice tempura batter. Right. Exactly. Any weight you add to the shrimp. Can yeah. we put the shrimp on a tea? Well, the shrimp would have to be. <laughs> You would probably on its side. What That's would have impossible. to happen is the holder <laughs> would receive 
the shrimp from the deep snapper, <laughs> in turn would hold the shrimp suspended by its tail. And as the leg moves toward the shrimp at the last possible second, you release the shrimp. You release the shrimp to the top of the foot. Okay, well, and I the, think it is completely doable to yes, kick a shrimp. I I feel like uh, you could almost set the league record for accuracy on this sort of. You thing. You could kick every shrimp. In. Uh, yeah, I, I mean the way Danny is portraying it, where the shrimp is now elevated, and it's just. You know, toe meets a prawn, and uh, it's that's good. A, that's drop kicking a shrimp. Now I don't know about. Now this is extra point, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Extra now point. Be on some semblance of a T. Yeah, and I'm not sure we can get distance. I'm not sure we can bang one home from sixty or anything like well, that. Well, let me stop you all okay. as we kick around what we think about this. The truth is, we don't know because we're not the best kicker in the world, are we? But NFL kickers are probably on a pretty short list of the greatest kickers of all time. So I tweeted this out and I attached the. Uh, Twitter handles of a handful of NFL kickers. <laughs> okay. Waiting for one to respond. Right. Refresh, refresh, nothing, nothing. Until I get a message from former Jacksonville Jaguar Josh Scobie. Okay. Who says, boy, you guys must really be bored. <laughs> no answer, though? Yeah, how about you just answer the question, Josh? We're all uh, bored right now. How about a little ticket magic that happened half an hour later? Uh-oh. Like it's on our phone. Did this one pass? I'd like to present to you all, straight out of Longview, Texas, former Jacksonville Jaguars kicker, Josh Scobie. Josh Scobie. Joining us live on the ticket. How are you, Josh? Oh, uh, you know, other than self-quarantining with the family at the house and uh, trying not to go stir-crazy, I'm doing well. Where are you right now? I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, so that's where, where I live, and wife and two kids are here with me now. All right, we do have the burning question of the day. <laughs> and it may sound like a weird one, but it really is the burning question of the day that we need your expertise on. So I'm going to throw it to our, uh, Mike Soroy because he's the one that presented the whole thing. Thank you, Josh. Could you, an NFL kicker, kick an extra point if the football was a shrimp? <laughs> I mean, number one, you guys must be getting really bored in the content. <laughs> The, the content must be lacking on radio shows now for, uh, for it to get to this point. I get it. You know, we're all bored. Uh, I, you know, I have a few questions. Number one would Please. be how how much would this shrimp weigh? Um, jumbo. It, you know, we're talking that yeah, jumbo shrimp, which is kind of funny because that's our minor league baseball team here in Jacksonville, the uh, jumbo shrimp. So pretty fitting. Um <laughs> and are we talking about the old extra point, which was 20 yards? Or are we talking about the, you know, the newest one from five years ago, which was it's now 33 yards? So that's a big difference. Let's go during your heyday, which I suppose was the 20-yard extra point. I would say I could. You give me, uh, you know, a few attempts, and we're going to need a good holder for it. Um, I mean, it's probably not easy to snap, hold, and kick it. <laughs> we'll eliminate most of the process. We'll just let the holder hold it, and you can boot. I think I can do it. Now, do you no. want it? Do you need it peeled? Yeah. How would you like your need shrimp prepared? Right. I think I'd need it frozen, just so as soon as Ooh. you kicked it, it wouldn't uh, disintegrate in midair. And you want the legs out, like the oh, laces. Sure. Legs the the, the yeah. legs are the laces. Yeah. You got to deter it as well. God, okay. <laughs> a lot. That's of course, right. these are nice shoes. Yeah, you don't want to get that that turd all over your nice. <laughs> so, so Josh, do you want do you want the holder to hold the tail mm. about three or four inches off the ground for you? 
I think you could probably put it on the ground. I mean, NFL kickers are used to having the ball directly on the ground. You, once you get past high school, it's on the ground anyway. So I think I think if you held the tail with the curve towards you, uh-huh. All right. I, I think you would have a chance. What do you think your likely miss would be, short or right-left, or do you think just complete shrimp annihilation would be the issue? I would say shrimp annihilation. It would have to be frozen for you to have a chance at going in. And even then, I think it's going to come up short. So another question that we had is a follow-up. We're thinking of other yeah. foods that would be effective as far as kicking mm-hmm. a field goal. Which part of the chicken, refined Ooh. chicken, which part of the chicken will be best for you to make an extra point? Probably the leg, just because of the shape of it, very similar to, you know, the the oval of the football. So I think uh, I think that would be the easiest one. The breast, you know, would be the, the girthiest, fattest part, so that might have a chance too, but it might fly funny. So probably the leg. The leg. Um, Josh, if you would, <laughs> picture this for a moment. Picture <laughs> we're going easy? back to using the shrimp. Okay. Okay. What but they called a fake field goal. Describe the play. Ooh. No chance that would ever work. It doesn't matter what, you know, how much you've fooled the defense because, number one, you got a lot of big, fat guys out there. They're probably hungry. And you're running with a really nice piece of shrimp. They're going to catch you yes. in a heartbeat. Great answer. It'll be easy to disguise the shrimp, though. Right. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, you could tuck it under your jersey or something, mm-hmm. but they're going to smell it and get to you. You'd never fumble. You could just eat it. Yeah, eat it on, on your way. <laughs> You're never yeah, fumbling, counts. fumbling the, the, uh, the shrimp. Where it do might they... be a 10-yard penalty or something. Maybe, right, right. right. <laughs> Where do they spot the shrimp if you've eaten it? Dang, that's a good point. I guess it might be spot foul right there, 10-yard penalty. All right. <laughs> then re-kick. All right, let's <laughs> let's speed round a few other items if you guys have any. Could you make an That's extra amazing. point with a Hang let's on. say summer sausage? Wait, we got. Oh, no chance. It would you just kick it right in half. How about a steak? <laughs> Ooh, it'd have to be well done. Probably uh, like a sixteen ounce, well done fillet. You'd need it to be hard as a rock, and you don't need fat on it. Otherwise, you know, fat doesn't fly very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. That <laughs> is a fact. You please, know what? I'm going to put that on mark. a T-shirt. Yes, fat doesn't yeah. fly well. Please, Josh Scobie. Please mark that remark. <laughs> sure. Josh Scobie, how about uh, what distance would you guess for a bottle of Lipton Brisk iced tea? <laughs> oh, wow. I could probably move back to 40 yards with that one. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. Hey. What about a can? Uh, if we're talking like bushes, baked beans or something, probably uh, that'd be good for an onside kick. I don't think I could get that one. <laughs> it will kind of wobble funny where you can jump yeah, on it. Yes, it that's true. Hurt the crap out of your foot. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the but next time. Kicking in Green Bay in January. <laughs> the next time you're in Longview, you could make your way to Dallas, and we can try all this. We mm-hmm. can easily make this happen to attempt uh, the field or the extra point with all these food items, and that'll be great. No, I mean that seems a little wasteful right now, you know, with people uh, needing to eat all this stuff. So, yeah, uh, good point. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> Maybe we can we can kick it to the worthy people that are hungry. There you go. <laughs> yeah, kick it right in the hungry mouths. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Josh, we really, really appreciate Josh, you calling in, man. Thank you. Bye. That was awesome. You got it, guys. And, uh, 
Cincinnati, Scobies, and uh, Dallas area. Tell them I said hello. My whole family lived there. Oh, you very cool. Brother. Thank you. This is the guest of the century so far. <laughs> and when we have more kicking questions, we'll yeah. call you because, yes, we're going to be bored probably for the next yeah. couple of months. So Very, very we'll, bored. We'll Just talk to you again job. next week, Josh. All right, All right thank week. you, man. Appreciate it. That was, that? Kobe, that was awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's see him do that. Uh, uh. So next we have this week's edition of the Shrimp House. The ticket is talking. <laughs> God, Norm. We had to put an end on a little capper on it. That's well done. Man. Josh Scobie. That's so good. Our man of the day. If I wasn't already insane, I am now. Yeah. I feel like Mike's already peaked today, though. You know? Oh, no yeah. doubt. How do you follow that? We've got like two two hours, three hours Three to hours, yeah. My God. That's all I brought. I guarantee it. Well. I'm going to broadcast from home. Uh, no matter what happens from here on in, we did good. You've really contributed to today's episode. Thank you. Well done, Mike. All right, coming up next, <laughs> Gerald McCoy is now a Dallas Cowboy. The ticket. Oink, oink, oink. Ball yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Big Ben time. What a special day it is. Now, typically, Danny is the host of this, <laughs> but today, so nervous. You're a contestant. I am. Oh, yeah. Because Danny has, I, I think... I don't test well. <laughs> Danny has, I think, the most underrated skill at the radio station. And that is the ridiculous ability to name all the members in damn near every single metal band that came out from like 1978 to 1987. It's incredible. Like, you've got a decade's worth of knowledge on these bands that you don't give a damn about anymore. Mm-mm. And it's almost a point of comedy for you, but somehow... It's basically from, like, 82 to 86. That's okay. Ba- that's essentially the window. Okay. And it's because I subscribe to those rock rags, like Hit Parader and Cream and... What was the other one? Circus, I think. Yeah, <laughs> circus. Yeah, I used to get those delivered to my house because living out in the country, you didn't have any real music stores or anything like that to know what was new or what was, you know, out there. Yeah. So I relied on these magazines and the two or three friends of mine that were into this stuff, and you just knew it because you read about these guys. And you probably were reading a lot of album covers and Absolutely. liner notes yeah. and all that stuff. And for you, it seems like it's like what we did. With, with baseball uh, cards yeah. and basketball yes. cards and football cards. You would just memorize these bands for useless bands. <laughs> Names of like a bass player that is now probably either dead, broke, or working at, at Walmart. You right, know? right. Boink. It's not but, like these guys are probably super famous anymore. I'm assuming the bands you're going to pick after hearing what I heard in the hallway, you're going pretty <laughs> deep, and I don't know if I'm going to do well on this. Now, I have chosen bands here. That cover everything from metal to hair metal to speed metal, all of it. Okay. And I've tried to cherry pick ones that I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I mean, I know you know because I, I, I've heard you, not these bands in particular, but I've heard you do this a thousand times. With bands, I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah, so you want to push him here. You want to see the boundaries that he has. Yeah. All right. Right. 
I mean, well, how are you going to do this? Well, I'm just going to play a song. Okay. You're going to know the songs. Okay. And then you're just going to give me the guys. The and guys I'm going to tell band. you. Yes. And okay. I'm going to tell you whether or not you are correct. Okay. Okay. okay this is. This is Raining Blood by Slayer. <laughs> right. Yes, it is Raining Blood by Slayer. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with Tom Araya on bass, Kerry King on guitar. Dave Lombardo on drums, and Jeff Henneman on guitar. Oh, I think that's right. You are 100% correct Hell yeah. on four Slayer. Hell yeah, 4-4 on Slayer. Yes. Okay, we're going to grade this at the end, right? I'm yeah. Dave Lombardo. Yeah. <laughs> he's not the clothier. Oh. Man, All right. He's such a freaking great drummer. Let's move on. All right. Oh, my God. Dio? Man, this could be anybody. But I'm going to go with <laughs> Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. Vivian Campbell on guitar, I believe. Wow. Um, God, on bass. Who would have been on bass in this? <laughs> I don't remember. Maybe um, on key. Ansley Dunbar on drums, maybe. Uh, gosh, keys. Could have been anybody. I, this one's really hard because it could have been a number of people. But so for this incarnation, I'm going to go with just Vivian Campbell, Ronnie James Dio. I'm going to go with Ansley Dunbar on drums and bass. I don't know. All right. So I've got Ronnie James Dio, mm-hmm. Vivian Campbell, who, by the way, was a replacement. So you dug deep. Yeah. Well, he's on this song. Okay. All right. Vinny Apiece? Yes. That's who's the drummer. Okay. And uh, Jake E. Lee. Jake E. Lee is not on this track. He's not? No. Okay. All right. Jake, Jake E. Lee was Ozzy's guitar player during Bark at the Moon. See, now he's mad at me. Well, I he, he says it with such conviction, though. <laughs> We're just going to give it that one. Well, who's on bass? Uh, I have Jimmy Bain. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. So I'm two for four on this. Yeah. It's still very impressive. Man, I might go three for four. All right, Bob, you're going to know this one. Okay. Is this Winger? Dude, I don't know anything about them other than it's Kip Winger on vocals and Reb Beach on guitar. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Kip's also on bass. Oh, you know what? The drummer is a North Texas alum, Rod Morgenstein. Yes, yes! Wow. I don't know anything about this at all. Here, let me rattle off the entire band. <laughs> Who's, whoever's playing rhythm guitar couldn't care less. I have no idea. Kip Winger, Reb Beach, yeah. Rod Morgenstein. <laughs> Made up. He, went to, he I, went to North Texas? Yeah. I think. Okay. I may be wrong. But and, I don't uh, know who the other I've guitar player is. Paul Taylor. Sure. Okay. All right, three for four. All right, not bad, man. <laughs> Damn it. No, no, no. That's good. That's okay. good. Okay. Winger. He knows the band. (laughs) This is awesome. This is so stupid. Oh, my God. Come on. Don Dockin, George Lynch, Jeff Pilson, Mick Brown. Four for four. (laughs) You threw him a lob. It was. It was like like the Luca lob last night to Hardaway that he blew. But you just, it back to there was nobody defending me on that. No. Totally nailed that. Oh my god! Come on, dude. Yes, you were correct. George Lynch, Don Dockin, 
Who are the other two? Jeff Pilson and Mick Brown. Yeah. Yeah. This is Alone Again from their Tooth and Nail album. Why do I have, uh, as a replacement, a guy that sounds like a like a, a Mexican Icelandic guy, Juan Crucier? Juan Crucier was the bass player for Rat, and I think that he was oh. the original bass player in Dokken before they became but he spun- what they were. Listen to that. He spontaneously combusted one night. Like He's I adding think. information to the segment that I'm not even requ- he's not even required to do. That's for bonus points. That's incredible. Okay. Extra credit. It's just great to be here, you know, and see see Danny live. Yeah. Uh, okay, Danny. All right. Oh. Oh. Cinderella? This is Cinderella. Nobody's Fool off of their album Night Songs. A New Jersey band. <laughs> um, this is a good one. Featuring Tom Kiefer on lead vocals. Uh-huh. I want to say Jeff Labar on guitar. Eric Brittingham on bass. Oh, my God. There was a guitar a drummer named something weird like James Dernick. You're exactly right! Oh my god! Did I get it right? <laughs> yes! All four? That's great. Yes! Hell yeah. He yep. goes by Jim Dernick. Oh, I went with his given name, Jim. James. Jim. Yes, he went with it. Danny's looked at birth certificates. <laughs> James <laughs> James Dernick, Tom Kiefer, Eric Brittingham, and, and Jeff Labar. And Jeff Labar. You know this one, Corby? Of course. They were one of the bands that came out of this era that was actually really legit they were really good good songwriters this is a great really one. great singer <laughs> all right anyway all right let's dig this a little is so embarrassing let's dig a little deep you're doing great yeah, by the way you i mean you're full of confidence I right mean, now you've almost batted a thousand paul all george right. can't cover you oh man this is wasp and they're awesome <laughs> um let's go with blackie lawless on bass and lead vocals, I believe it's Randy Piper and Chris Holmes on guitar. And man, the drummer is always escapes me. I'm going to take a pass on the drummer just so we can move on. But I cannot remember his name. His last name's not Travis, is it? Uh, no. Okay, I give up. I've got Doug Blair. <laughs> this is the Randy Piper, Chris Holmes incarnation. Okay. With Blackie Lawless on bass and lead vocals. Well, then you're three for four. I've got... It could be Doug Blair or Mike Duda. Or the See, other these two are, names you're listed. maybe going to Wikipedia and looking who's in the band now yeah. as they're doing these, you know, reunion, reunion tours. tours. I think this was no, I didn't do that. I didn't go that. I, I you didn't. go to the album and look who played on the album, okay. or at least toured on the album. Okay, so who'd you say? Randy Piper, Chris Holmes, and Blackie Lawless, and I don't yeah. know the drummer. I think the drummer back then was Tony Richards. That sounds right. All right, three for Replaced four by lost. Steve Riley, of course, everybody. Oh, no, no, no. Steve Riley would have been the drummer that I knew that was in the video for this stuff. That's right, Steve Riley. Well, but I didn't go. remember that. I'm just impressed. I like how you're having to trust me on your research. Well, well I, I mean. I actually I, tried to search wasp and a picture of a wasp showed up. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was on an aircraft carrier in Korea called the USS Wasp. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay, th- it's going to get a little tougher now. Maybe, it's I don't fine. know. It's All right, fine. here we go. Dude, Udo Dirk Schneider and four German dudes with badass hair. I have no idea. Who is this? It's Accept. 
This is the band known as Except. You are correct. Who's the first guy you said? Udo Dirk Schneider. He's the guy in <laughs> the Beavis and Butthead video when they when he walks out on stage because he's like 5'2 and has no hair. And Butthead goes, uh, excuse me, sir, but do you have a backstage pass? <laughs> Udo Dirk Schneider. <laughs> Dude. Oh, oh! there's one guy in the band named Wolf. Yes! Yes! Wolf Hoffman. Yes, Wolf Hoffman. Of <laughs> course there can is. I get, can I get two of five? You totally yeah, you get credit right, for sweet. Wolf. All right, two out of five. Oh, and then some guy named Peter Baltes or something like that. Those yeah. are the three original guys. I just wanted to hear you say Udo Dirk Schneider. Boy. I did. I just said it. Udo Dirk Schneider is a man of uh, some size. He is a diminutive <laughs> size, yes. Uh, okay, we carry on. I don't even know who this is. Uh-oh. What is this, like, kicks or something? <laughs> God, this sounds so like Tenacious D. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's Saxon. Oh, no idea. Saxon? Dude, I'm going over how many members those guys have, because I know nothing about them. I don't even know them. where they're from. They're from Germany. Yeah, I'm sorry. We uh, got Saxon fail. How many right. are in the band? Did uh, you, have? you miss Peter Biff Byford? <laughs> oh man, I even knew that. Steve Dobby Dawson, Paul Quinn, and Graham Oliver. All right, zero for four. Oh damn, man, it takes the average down. Yeah, Sax. I knew that was going to be really tough. That's hard. I knew it was really, really tough. I never listened to him. Okay. Um. <laughs> Oh no, is this Striper? All right, you've got the brothers, the sweet brothers, um, Michael and R- Robert. Sweet. Yes, yes, you have, yes. You have a guy on bass named, I think it's his last name's Gaines, Timothy Gaines. Yes. And then a guitar player named Oz Fox. Yes! How yes! in the world do yes! you know every member Oz of Striper? Fox. Because I like to shout at the devil too, Bob. Oh man, <laughs> the Sweet Brothers. Uh huh. I was so hoping you would remember Oz Fox. Yeah, this guy's in Boston now. Listen to that. Incredible. I can't believe what we're witnessing here. That is so awful. You want to keep going? Uh, yeah. Don't know. What? I don't recognize this. Let him start singing. It sounds like it could be Iron Maiden, but like a, it is. What song did you pick? Oh, is this the remastered? There we go. Yeah, man. There's a lot of ways you can go with this. Do you want the most recent lineup, like the number of the beast lineup? Uh, Dave Murray, Adrian Smith, Bruce Dickinson, Steve Harris, and Nico McBrain. Yes. <laughs> My hero. But Paul Diano was their original singer, and Clive Burr was their original drummer. This is Bruce Dickinson and Nico McBrain. Right. I'm taking a zero on this test, by the way. Well, you're not being graded no, right no, now. No, no, but I just want... I just want people to understand what we're dealing with here. <laughs> we're dealing with a genius. We really are. Doing. That's what's going on here. 
Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. okay. How many more do we have? Because uh, we're running late. Yeah, I know, I know. I this know. is squeeze, too good, but are we? Squeeze a few in here. Let's go ahead and... The ticket. Is this autographed? Yes. Man, I'm going to go for however many. All of them? All of them. I have no idea. Wait. I just don't know. I know the song is Turn Up the Radio, but yeah. I know nothing about them at all. Steve Plunkett. <laughs> Kenny Richards. Steve Isham. And Eddie Cross. Nope. 0 for 4. Sorry. Did you hate them? I uh, wasn't a fan. This, okay. this album has no symbols on it. <laughs> I think he gets a point for that. Uh, okay. Last one, I promise. I know this. Please. Turn it up a little bit. I can't hear anything. There we go. Oh, man. I can name, I think. Well, who is it? It's Grim Reaper. (laughs) And I'll shout at the devil, but I'll also see you in hell, Bob. I'm a walking dichotomy. Yeah. Man, the, the the guitar player's name is like Nick Bocott. Yes, it is Nick Bocott. Wow. And the singer, this guy that looks like a pig. <laughs> Boy. Wow, that and guy I again. I cannot remember his name. Yeah. We can't accept guy that looks like pig. I can't remember his name. I'm going to go one for four on these idiots. I'm, I'm Steve Bocott's very... Grim Reaper. Nick Bocott. Incredible. I'm sorry, Nick. Yeah, Steve Grimmett. Yes. Yeah. Grimmit. Yeah. Damn you, Grimmit. <laughs> All right, give me one more. Come on. All right, one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now you're in the what cell. else do we have going on today, right? Uh, Have fun with this. Oh, man. I might have screwed up my average. Would you go? Oh, this is Crocus. Yes! <laughs> all right. Mark all that. I'm going to go with, I know I can get two of these guys. Mark Storacci on lead vocals, and his guitar player was Fernando Von Arb. <laughs> and I think there was another... Yes. Fernando Von Arb. There was another Von something in there. But yes. Yeah, yeah there I is. I'm giving you that one, too. You're giving me three out of five on this? Chris Von Roar. Von Roar, yeah. <laughs> There's another wow. Von what in there. What are the odds? <laughs> I'm, one of these guys hanged himself. Oh, dear. hung himself. Yes, yeah. yes he did. He did, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, Paul that was, and, uh, that right, I'm was gonna, awesome. I'm going to figure out my grade here, okay? okay? So it's 18 on this one, so that's 39 plus 16 is 50. Uh, five. So there's 55 total band members, and I got 4, 6, 9, 13, 17, 20, 26, 31, 32. I got 34 out of 55. And I feel like we... I went over 4 on 2 of them. Well, you have to weigh for degree of difficulty, though. 
I know it's off the charts, and I look. I think I did. I think I got at least a seventy percent. I went pretty hard on you too. Yeah, you did. Man, this feels like an A. I I, I don't know. I, I can't allow you to take a seventy on this test. No. It was too no. Andy knew every one of the songs. He didn't know of one. some German band, but every yeah, he nailed out them all. Yeah. And you get extra points for Udo Dirkschwinder, too. Incredible. Dirkschneider. Right. <laughs> Udo Dirkschneider. I was really hoping for some softballs like Def Leppard and. Yeah, you know oh what? Well. Look. We didn't even bother with 101. We're doing this again. We are? Because there's a. <laughs> dude, Tomorrow. It took me two hours to come up with the damn bands. Right. So I want to do it again. Okay. That was fun. The, da- the guy got Crocus. I think yeah. I got a 61 average. That's not passing. But you got to add up all the bands, the songs you got, too. You did great. It okay. was awesome. I wanted 100. <laughs> all right, there's a pig pin. Let's the ticket. Right now, we are launching a new series. And uh, Corby, let's explain it just a little bit here so we understand yeah. what we're doing. So I had the idea, you know, we're all into different things up here. And, you know, this could this could extend to whoever at the radio station. We would, of yes. course, feature it because it is our idea. But, um, yeah, we're all into different things. And some of us are into some stuff that we're like, why? What? how did you get into that? Why did you get into that? And a lot of these questions have never been answered. And I truly don't know the answer to what we're getting ready to get into. Okay. So we thought that we would dive into uh, something just called, uh, why are you into this? Now, P1s can email whatever their questions are. If you want to wonder why I'm into something, um, how I got into it, Bob, uh, Danny, Ty, Mino, any of us, if you would like an answer, if you've been thinking like, dude, why why is is Bob into the EPL? Yeah. Right. Why? Right. Did, why does? Why did Corby? Why does he love golf so much? Yeah. Any of that. Um, uh-huh. We will explain this to you um, at length. And the first one that we are going to feature features Danny because mm-hmm. I've always wondered how and why Danny Bayless got into metal music, into heavy metal. Yes. Growing up. Predominantly, by the time my musical cognizance started waking up as a young adult in the country, (laughs) with a graduating class of 33, surrounded by pigs and cows and weeds (laughs) and rivers and guns and all that, how in the world did I get in to metal? Because you know, right now, you know, you're in a you're in a soul band, and you've been in an Americana phase and a rock and roll honky phase, tonk and, and yeah, honky tonk, yeah. all of it. That's kind of makes sense when you when you peel back the the Danny Bayless onion a little bit. The metal thing is really weird because you didn't know me when I was going through this, and I, the way the way I would explain it. Number one, it was a matter of what I was number one exposed to. And also the progression of, or the escalation of the genre. Like, discovering something that you're like, whoa, that's unlike anything I've really, I really like the way that distorted guitar sounds. Mm -hmm. And then, well, I need more of that. I need it to get heavier. I need it to be more of that. So... The way it started out for me is growing up, it was Elvis, it was Marty Robbins, it was Merle Haggard, it was Alabama, Kenny Rogers. It was basically the stuff that my folks had. And you moved around a lot, too. I moved around quite a bit, but my parents were both country musicians. Um, My mother probably a little more successful than my father. My father, a very accomplished uh, guitar player, bassist, pedal steel player, my mom a vocalist. 
they played their whole lives. My my dad still Phil lives in Oklahoma and he's still got guitars and at the age of whatever eighty five he still plays. So I grew up with all that stuff. But when I started going, when I got the thing was is moving around is what sucked because I didn't really ever develop any real friends for a long period of time until I settled down in West Texas and started getting to know people. And I knew I was going to be there for a while because my mom wanted to move next to her parents because her and my dad got, got divorced. She wanted to go home. I and didn't I realize we that, were, that that was the reason that your grandparents lived my there. My grandparents lived two houses down from the house that we ended up building when we moved there. Wow. Yeah. So when you go to school with the same people and you kind of develop that trust that you know I'm not going anywhere, then you're a little more open to making friends, which I'd never done before. I never really had real friends because I was I'd live somewhere six months and be gone. So my best friend Tracy, who's been mentioned on this show like three <laughs> times this week, does he listen? By the way, no, I don't done? think so. Okay. I don't think, and he still lives there. He's oh, raised he does. an entire family. Of Is that three, the oil and gas guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, oil field supply. Shout um, out to Tracy. Yeah, man. So he had an older, still has an older sister. So when we were in fifth grade, Sonia was, I believe, either a sophomore or a junior. And what do older brothers and sisters have in the late 70s, early 80s? Records. Kick-ass record collections. Yeah. And And the influence that those older, you know, you think that four years, right now, you meet someone that's four years older or younger than you, and you don't even blink. No. but Back then, man, that was a lifetime. The difference between 11 and 16 Oh, my God. It is truly, it's like a generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we would go over and hang out. He was the rich kid in the, in town. So they had a huge house, and we'd go hang out and spend a lot of time there. And when Sonia was still in high school, she was there, too. And you'd always hear music, and you'd see her guy friends in and out of that house, and they all looked like... They all looked like that 70s show or Dazed and Confused. I mean, that's what the world looked like then. And I remember it vividly. But some of that music was like, whoa, what is that? And I remember, Mino, we're going to use the uh, cable, which I've already plugged in. When I heard like the guitar and I knew that it was crunchy and cool, this, this is one, probably not the first, but it's one that stands out from that time. Like, what is this? This isn't Willie Nelson. Well, I'm hot-blooded. Check it and see. Is this 79? Uh, probably 78. That's off Double Vision. That's foreign, Debut by the album way. was 77. Mm-hmm. I believe Double Vision was 78. Uh, Head Games was 79. And then 4 was, I believe, 80, 81. So yes, Foreigner's Hot Blooded. I mean, come on, that's a great yeah, that's rock a cool and riff, roll man. tune. Yeah. So listening to that kind of stuff got me into all right, that's rock and roll, and it's a kind of a rock. That's a little more modern. Did you have a guitar by this time? Yes, I'd had guitars since I was in kindergarten, but okay. acoustic guitars, right? But this was th- this these next three acts what, that I'm going to play for you is what made me by electric guitar and electric amp and distortion pedal but this was this was it when i knew okay this this can go somewhere this isn't just kind of pop this is this is a little darker i mean yeah come on and you know there's something about this song 
that when you turn it up to, you know, 8, 9, 10, or whatever. Or 11. So- yeah, it sounds louder than other songs that are turned up to that level. And I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, it's great production. It's John Mutt Lang, and this thing was mastered at a really high volume. And this album's just still, it's perfection. All right. So, kind of getting introduced into the world of rock and roll. And then things kind of maybe took a step back a little bit because this is around the time that MTV came on. And when I heard this, this is when I knew that, okay, there's some real song craft going in here. And also these dudes look really cool and they're wearing (laughs) cool clothes and they're getting chicks and they're from England. And this was all over the radio. And that's when I knew, yes, I need parachute pants, <laughs> and I need them now. So did... Now we're talking. So Def Leppard kind of sent you... This is when I knew I wanted to be in a band. Really? Yeah. I was like, this can go somewhere. Man, see, I... Okay, I, I, I didn't know there were so many strains of metal, and I guess I Oh, assumed... just wait, Bob. <laughs> just okay. wait. All right, I I need to let you go, but I assume Def Leppard would be uh, mocked by uh, your type. No, God no. no. Def Leppard rocked, man. But there were other bands that rocked harder. They, they, it could have just gone from ACDC and I skipped over them, but it was so commercial and so good and so melodic and such an earworm that nobody could escape it. Everybody loved it. And that kind of graduated. I went back to the dark side and started really getting into some stuff where even my friends were like, I don't know. I don't know, bro. I don't know about this. And then you're this on your own over there, bro. Probably in the uh, the next step and along the line of me breaking musically bad. And of course, this is Iron Maiden's "Run to the Hills" about the plight of the Native American. You know what I think of when I hear this? What? Tenacious D. This yeah. sounds like Tenacious it does. D. Like well, they're obviously mocking it. Mocking yeah. it. And then I really alienated most of my pop metal friends with when I discovered this band. And I didn't get in with them on the ground level with album one, but I did get on with them on album two. And this was a sound, Corby, that I had never heard in my life. And I was, this was my life for the next probably two and a half, three years. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. In so much that I drove from Knox City to Fort Worth and saw these cats open up for Ozzy at Tarrant County, and it's the best concert I've ever been to. Who is it? Metallica. Off their second album, Ride the Lightning. Listen to that. Like, whoa, I can do that. So what year are we talking about now? Uh, this is, by the time I got in Metallica, it's probably like 85, 86. So I'm probably so a junior, senior. Yeah. I'm about to leave high school. Now, had you, because, you know, you played football and you were on a state championship winning football squad. Mm-hmm. Was your football coach aware of your musical yeah. instincts? Oh, God, yes. And they hated it? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you spent more time practicing football than growing your hair and plunking guitars, Bayless, you might be worth a damn someday. Did you quit football to... No, I played all eight years. Okay. I, I quit basketball. Okay. Yeah. It felt like 
Metallica was the line, though, right? No, it like, went further when I moved to Dallas, Bob, because then I met friends <laughs> that not only liked Metallica, they took things up a notch. Get ready. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I discovered Slayer and all of the things that were around it. Do you see the progression here, though, Bob? Like, Oh, yeah. From really cool guitar riffs, you know, from Foreigner. To just hate right. and anger. To this. Yeah. Holy fuck, what is this? Yeah. I like Slayer, the, dude. I like to party. <laughs> yeah, I, I went from being a, a an, ex, an extra in Dazed and Confused to an extra in The River's Edge. Right. <laughs> a, lot well, of, see, a lot of darkness in Little Ningu back then, Bob. But the but the line I'm talking about is uh, I think a lot of young men would get to that line where they're like, okay, am I into Metallica or aren't I? Is it too much or is it not not enough? No, you need more. And then <laughs> yes, and then you just keep going that direction, mm-hmm. and that's where Slayer is, and and we we continue on down the thrash metal mm-hmm. uh, road, right? Well, we we went all the way into thrash metal to the point where I got way into a lot of these bands. I'll play this for you. You won't have any idea who this is, but. I, there's a group of me and my buddies that were way into this kind of stuff, too. God. Yeah. This is DRI, Dirty Rotten Imbeciles, and their song, I'd Rather Be Sleeping. A little punk rock in there, too. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, well, I would call this hardcore. But uh, that is about... As far as I took it, because I, I kind of like I got to the point where I'm listening to Suicidal Tendencies and DRI and MDC and all these other kind of thrash punk hardcore bands. And then things changed because I knocked up Hooters waitress and ended up having a kid. <laughs> and and uh, and this also always a breaking point. Right, right, right. So about this point, Corby, this started becoming the rage across America. This was still, I considered this very hard rock, maybe metal to a certain point, but this is when things started to kind of quiet down for me. Okay. All right. This was bringing it back to pretty good songs and more minimalist approach to the music, and guys weren't dressing up and, you know, being ridiculous. It was kind of like. Okay, these are good songs, but they're kind of still dressing like the Metallica and Slayer dudes and just normal street clothes, and it still kind of had a commercial appeal to it. Salas and James. Yeah, Man in the Box, So it's will have to cut off here in a second. Uh, it's almost like this was your methadone. Yeah. Like, just to wean yourself yeah. off, you still got to have a little bit of it, man. Yeah, you know? and exactly. And I uh, you know, loved all those bands, you know, the Temple of the Dog and Soundgarden. Love Soundgarden. Nirvana, not so much, but yeah, Pearl Jam. But Alice in Chains was, that was my jam. And then after that, man, it pretty much just kind of went away. And I, where I just kind of got away from music for about a year and a half or two years and then got away from music. Yeah, dude. man, I was raising a kid and, and it just, you know, if I was listening to anything, I was probably listening to to the Seattle stuff about the time Josh was born. And then I basically got away from it altogether. What's and, funny. And, and what and what got me away from it was a combination of getting back to the roots that I of the music that I originally loved growing up as a kid and doing it in a new way, which then you get your Jayhawks, Uncle Tupelo's um, you know, so uh, I met you, yeah, and that's I, a, and that's about when you and I met was in the late nineties, mid nineties, mid nineties, yeah, yeah, but I when I met Danny, 
Um, we met like at a Ryan Adams show. It was a whiskey, after, it was a whiskey, whiskey town, town show at the Green Room. Yeah, which Bob, the that's, room. that's kind of uh, the you know Sunvolt, Wilco, yeah. that type yeah. of that type of stuff. And you mentioned the Jayhawks too, but that's. That was our first, and that's what I was like, oh, wow, this guy's super cool. He likes yeah, the same you, music I do. Meet me the year before, and you're going to be listening to Run to the Hills, right, and I'd rather right. be sleeping. Testicle of the Beast, yes. and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. Can't handle them both. Wow, yeah, okay. And, and another thing you have to keep in mind, living in a small town, it was Bible Belt City. So There's even a lot of rebellion. I was rebelling yeah. against a lot of that, but there was also this, this type of music that, like Duran Duran. Like uh, Depeche Mode. I never knew who the Smiths were. I, I may have heard a Cure song or two in high school. But you have to keep in mind, that was a real homophobic era. That was yes. a real homophobic place to live in the middle of, of, of West Texas. Totally. So if you came to school listening to Duran Duran or oh, Cindy yeah. Lauper or <laughs> any of that stuff, and you were a dude, that was girl music or music for the homosexual. Right. And you, it was just... Very anti-gay, and you just kind of didn't you didn't show that you like that stuff. And now, I, I mean, my, like the Smiths are probably my favorite band. I think Duran Duran are geniuses, and I, I could listen to The Cure every day for the rest of my life. You know, sure. I, and, and you know, it just you, you end up growing up. Your your mind yeah. opens up. You get exposed to other types of music. People that you trust say, "Hey, check this out." That's something you may have never listened to before. Which opened my my entire mind up to the the bebop scene and and jazz of the you know fifties uh, and sixties and early seventies, so I, I'm glad that this is over. I still every once in a while I wonder what that Def Leppard high and dry record sounds like today. It might make it halfway through and be like, yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, still sounds cool. It's fine, you know. But I, I'm not the most nostalgic person in the world. But that's essentially how that all started was because of Foreigner. Well, that is and the most beautiful weakest song compared to Slayer and Metallica and DRI, hot blooded right. chicken of the sea. <laughs> I've got a fever of 103. That is exactly how I envisioned this segment uh, kicking off. Why beautiful. are you into blank? Now you know. Awesome, dude. Thank you. I love you. Love you. I know.